I believe that you need to master valuing and comping properties and really becoming a black belt in comping some of these things based on how you personally will execute. Best ever listeners, wouldn't it be nice to have a $2 million pre-approval line of credit? Ah, Just think about that. Isn't that nice? Wouldn't that be nice? How would that help you get more deals done? Because when you submit a pre-approval line of credit with your offer on a fix and flip house, do you think it's going to stand out more? I think so. And our friends at Fun That Flip, you know Fun That Flip, Matt Rodak, he's been on the show before many times. He's a friend of mine. He's also the owner of Fun That Flip and they're a sponsor of today's episode. What they're doing is they're giving a $2 million pre-approval line of credit up to $2 million pre-approval line of credit for qualified buyers. And my gosh, in this competitive buying market, sellers prefer to sell to buyers who have a high likelihood of closing, right? Makes sense. Well, use this pre-approval line of credit from Fund That Flip, and that will signal to the seller that you're the real deal and you'll be able to close quickly. It's free. All you gotta do is go to fundthatflip.com. You've gotta qualify that you have prior experience and there's a process, but it's free and you need to go to fundthatflip.com to get the pre-approval line of credit because this is a way that's gonna help your short-term rehab loan happen because you're going to get the deal for the property where you need the short-term rehab loan. Go to fundthatflip.com and get that pre-approval line of credit for up to $2 million. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out the fluffy stuff and we only talk about the best real estate advice that moves your business forward. And if you're not a subscriber, then this is a daily show. you got a lot of episodes to catch up on. Go ahead and subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to it. With us today, we have a hard money banker. And we're going to hear all about his experience. And he's also the author of The Whiteboard, which is a bestseller on Amazon. How are you doing, Jason Balin? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Joe. My pleasure, my friend, and nice to have you on the show. Jason has financed over 1,000 real estate investment deals prior to hard money banking. Jason founded several real estate investment firms. As I mentioned, he's got a book. Go check it out, The Whiteboard on Amazon, and he's based in Columbia, Maryland. You can say hi to him and his group at hardmoneybankers.com. Or you can just simply click the link in the show notes page. With that being said, Jason, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on? I founded a company called Hard Money Bankers about 10 years ago. Since then, my partner Chris and I have funded over 1,000 real estate investment transactions. We concentrate in the, in the Maryland, Virginia, D.C., Philly, New Jersey markets. So East Coast stuff. And the reason we concentrate there is you know, that's where we're home based. And those are the areas that we're familiar with. So... The majority of my, my time and my day is spending on the hard money side. I really enjoy financing properties and you know, getting creative, helping real estate investors flip properties, things like that. But we also do flip and own uh, quite a bit of rentals as well. There's about 20 rentals on our portfolio right now. And we flip about three properties every month, so about 30 or so a year. So I am active on that as well. But my passion and the majority of my time is spent financing other real estate investors. 
you got a whole lot going on. Yeah, we try. We keep ourselves busy. <laughs> I bet, yeah, it sounds like it. And what you said <laughs> earlier when you mentioned you like getting creative with financing properties, what do you mean by that? Well, a lot of people would agree that every deal you get yourself into is, is different in uh, some way or the other. I mean, they all usually fit into some sort of cookie cutter or into some sort of wheelhouse, but there's always unknown things that come up related to how to structure the deed transfers. I'm buying this and I can't get the seller to the table. Can you help me with this? Or this is the amount of money I have to put into the deal. Can we figure out a, a way to structure things like that? It seems that even by doing over a thousand transactions, every single one's different and does need a little bit of a <laughs> magic sauce just to kind of creatively figure out the best way to get it to the table. If someone does come to you and says, I have this much I can put into the deal, how do we structure it? And whatever that amount is, it's less than what you typically require as a down payment. How do you get around that? Uh, either possibly doing a joint venture with somebody and having some sort of equity participation, maybe figuring out a way to bring in another partner, cross collateral, maybe back ending payments, fees, things like that. As we all know, finding a, a good deal and, and the right deal is important. And it is one of the most important things to do is to, you know, to, to get in place. So after you have that, it seems like there's ways to get things structured to make it work. Yeah. You just listed four really good ways of getting into a deal. If you have some money or maybe not even any money and you need to be able to still make the deal happen with your, the deals that you're lending on, are they primarily one to four units? That's right. 95% of our loans are single families or townhouses or small multi or small less than uh, one to four family. And then we do do some commercial stuff in some larger apartment buildings, but you know, single family townhouse flipping. What's the largest apartment building you've done? 1.6 million is our largest transaction. It wasn't an apartment building, but our largest apartment was probably in the low millions, but we did a, uh, $1.6 million loan on a restaurant and a bunch of loans in the millions because the Washington DC market has a lot of high priced homes. So we do quite a bit of loans in the million dollars. With 1.6 being your largest and that being something that isn't within the 95% of what you typically loan on, how did you as a company mitigate the risks? It's uh, a good question. I believe that we follow clear principles of the four C's with collateral being the most important. But the second important one is character of the borrower, learning about him, learning what his goals were for the project, the capacity that this, that this borrower had related to could he afford monthly payments? How could he pay us off? Things like that. So by really sitting down with the borrower and understanding kind of his needs and also what he kind of had, had to offer and if he was able to perform on this deal, that really helped kind of mitigated. And this also assumed that the collateral was strong. <laughs> and you said three C's, collateral, character. What's the third one? Four C's, technically capacity and then credit. Capacity and those are, to, and those capacity are, to pay back. Yeah, the capacity is making monthly payments, having the down payment and having clear extra strategy in play. So those are the four C's that we follow in that order of importance. Collateral, character, capacity, and then credit. Okay. When you take a look at your business, you've got the lending, you've got the 20 rentals, 
and you fix and flip on average three properties a month. Where do you spend most of your time and does that area make you the most money? I spend the majority of my time on the lending side and the lending side backs out the most for me financially. You would think that flipping a property would back out the most, but I've learned that we're not the best executors on our flips. We do a much better job of lending than we do buying real estate ourselves. And it's more of, you know, I, I have more of a passion for the finance and working with other real estate investors on structuring their deals and some on our own. And, you know, we do okay on our flips, but at the same time, I don't micromanage them as much as I should. We go over budget more than we should. And we just don't do that great of a job executing on those projects as we should. So the lending side is really our, our biggest bang for the buck and where I put and devote the majority of my time. How long have you been fixing and flipping? Right around the same time I started lending. So oh, really? Okay. So about 10 years when you fund, founded it. I like fixing and flipping on a smaller scale. As soon as you start doing too many at a time without having proper systems in place, it, you know, just like anything, it turns into a little of a mess. And I have a very good process flow for my loans. You know, we do 25 loans a month and I have a large staff. And I, you know, I'm not at the point of flipping that, even though, you know, three a month is a good size. It's just, I still don't have a, the best infrastructure in place for that to handle them. So how has your experience fixing and flipping evolved your process for lending? Well, it goes to show that you need good attention to detail. And I feel like you really need a good grasp on a lot of stuff and a lot of resources. And from my experience on the lending side, projects are typically successful or unsuccessful based on construction. And are you coming in on time and are you coming in on budget? And I see on our borrowers, the ones that are coming in over budget aren't making the, the returns that they were expecting or sometimes even you know, potentially losing some money on a transaction. And the guys that are really successful flipping houses that we do a lot of loans for are kind of very well staffed. They have really good relationships with their vendors, good relationships with their contractors. They're nickel and diamond and making sure that if they have a $30,000 budget, that project better come in at $30,000. And they, you know, be very transparent. They do a better job executing on those projects than we do because I don't personally like micromanaging every single person, including contractors. I don't want to be on the job site every day. It just doesn't fit my personality the best. So we try to spend time on, on what we're good at. <laughs> yep. Makes sense. Makes sense. When you take a look at the different types of properties in your portfolio, are they primarily single family homes? Yep. A few, you know, two units, but mostly single family. How are you financing those? The way we have it set up is we use our hard money lending company to acquire them, renovate them and flip them obviously. And then, you know, we get, we get paid back. And the ones that we end up holding as rentals, we have a commercial guidance line of credit from a bank that gives us long-term funding on those. Based on your experience in real estate, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Best real estate advice ever. So I strongly am passionate about this. I believe that you need to master valuing and comping properties and really becoming a black belt in comping some of these things based on how you personally will execute. So there's a lot of occasions that borrowers will come to us for a loan and they'll say this, the ARV is 225. And I know for a fact that that property could sell for 225 if you're so-and-so, meaning so-and-so like a top builder, a top rehabber, 
who's been doing this for a long time in that area. And if you know exactly what upgrades you need to put in that property, but for you, you know, and not nothing against this, you know, avatar borrower that I'm talking about, but this person, they've only done three or four deals. I believe your value is going to be a little bit less because maybe you don't know what's going on in that exact market or an exact neighborhood or what upgrades to put into that property. So I, I believe that any property or any asset that you buy, it's your responsibility. Nobody else is not a real estate agent, not an appraiser. It's your responsibility to become a black belt in comping and valuing that property based on how you will personally execute based on whatever your exit strategy is. How do you become a black belt in comping a property? What do you, what do you, is that, that, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? I, I mean, I think, I think just like anything else, I mean, it's, it's, you know, any business that you're buying an asset in, you know, how do you value that asset? I think it comes with a little bit of experience. I think it comes with reaching out to resources and uh, figuring out what people's opinions are. So maybe it's calling three real estate agents. Maybe it's calling an appraiser. Maybe it's calling other real estate investors in that area and accumulating data based on what they tell you of what they think you're going to sell for. And then obviously jumping on MLS, comping properties, maybe pulling some other online data searches, land records, things like that, but using all the resources available to uh, determine what the property will sell for. I think there's too many real estate investors out there that are too emotionally attached to a property and think they'll sell it for higher than they end up selling it for. So I think it's a, and, so, and sometimes it's just a lesson. You know, it, take, it takes time. And at the end of the day, you think a property is worth 225, you end up selling it 215, $10,000 more. You know, hopefully you had enough built in equity into that property that, you know, you still made decent money. But I think it's important to really, you know, do all the due diligence you can, you know, to, to, to be, you know, to figure out what you're going to sell for. When you take a look at how people are about analyzing and, and underwriting their properties, is there one area that continues to stand out? Because you, you mentioned something that I love. You said you need to underwrite the property based on how you personally will execute it. Because how you personally execute it is going to vary from how someone else executes it. But is there one area that fluctuates the most whenever you're looking at those line items across the board? Yeah, I mean, I, I believe that to be property area specific. And I also think it depends, like right now we're in a really good market, especially where we are. And, you know, I, I also do kind of have the slogan that the market will save you. <laughs> which isn't necessarily a good thing, but you know, there's guys that have gotten into not the best deals or went over budget and construction and they still made a fortune because probably sold for more than it would have six months ago, just based on the market. But a line item that I see is understanding exactly what renovations you should be putting in a property for that particular area. I keep going back to this 225 exit price, but there's an area in a it's a Baltimore suburb. And I mean, we own properties there. We do a lot of lending there. It's a hot area. And I know for a fact that if you renovate that property perfectly, perfectly, perfectly based on what other real estate investors are doing over there. Um, and, and again, when you renovate a house, in my opinion, you figure out who's selling for top dollar and you copy exactly, you know, per every skew stuff you're buying at Home Depot or Lowe's, the exact same cabinet, exact same granite, the exact same everything. You copy exactly what they're doing in order to sell for that. But I do know that in some of these areas, if you do a perfect renovation, it'll sell for 225. 
If you do a high-end renovation that's not perfect, it'll sell for 200. And if you just renovate, but it's not up to what everybody else is renovating to, you'll sell as low as 179. So there's such a huge gap. I mean, they're all brand new homes, brand new renovated homes, but it's more, you know, who knows who, you know, it, it goes with experience. So if you don't have the experience of some of that, you need a copy of exactly what people are doing. And it's hard to do just by looking online at pictures. It's hopefully you can have the ability to kind of go into that property and <laughs> touch and feel some of those things. Get that fir the first hand <clears throat> tour and and look at those materials. I mean, because you you weren't you those those examples you just mentioned wasn't just hey they're they're putting in new countertops. They're putting in these specific countertops from Home Depot. Yeah. And, th and this is an extreme example. Um, so, but if I, if, you know, if we talk about this more on a broad level, I would say, you know, if you're looking to sell it at top dollar, put in exactly what those top dollar guys are putting in, or put in very, very close to that. You know, you, you know, and it's, it's pretty crazy how somebody, a, a homeowner at a 225 price point, which is a lower price point in, in my market, for instance, the homeowners are getting high end appliance packages instead of maybe a $2,000 Best Buy Frigidaire package that, a few years ago, typically that's what would somebody would get in that price point. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah, do it. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you're looking for funding for that fix and flip of yours, then check out Rod Stanback's company. And if you recognize Rod's name, that's because he was a guest on episode 291. His company's called Flip Funding. And they do real estate loans nationwide. Take advantage of the low rates today and the excellent customer service with Rod and his team. Go to flipfunding.com. That's F-L-I-P-F-U-N-D-I-N-G.com. Or just simply call them at 844-354-7386. That's 844-354-7386. Best ever book you've read. Uh, right now, I just finished the book, The Snowball, uh, a biography from Warren Buffett. Best ever personal growth experience. What did you learn from it? Uh, probably writing a book. It uh, gave me the ability to be honest about my life, my business, and myself. Best ever deal you've done? Uh, about two years ago, the DC market was really, really, really hot, and I partnered with a borrower, and we did a joint wholesale deal on it because he didn't have the capacity to do the deal, and I had a buyer that would pay a premium and made hundred grand on it. He didn't have the capacity, meaning what? He wanted to do a loan, and I was like, I don't think you have the ability to do a high-end renovation to get this thing sold. And he needed too much money into the deal than he wanted to do. So I was like, you want, I could probably get this thing wholesaled, and we'll split the fee. And I know buyers paying an absolute premium for these things. So that's how we ended up doing it. What's the best ever way you like to give back? We do a lot of free real estate stuff locally for our borrowers. We do a free meetup group. We do strategy sessions in our office all the time, client lunches always bringing in real estate investors locally to help train, coach, teach. Pretty much everything's on the house, kind of in a return. As they grow as real estate investors, we can do loans for them in the future. Is there a difference between a hard money lender and a hard money banker? Nope. Hard money bankers was just a uh, good domain name that I acquired a long time ago, and I've tried to brand it as a, <laughs> as I like a term. It. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I was well, just I've got, I've got great rankings, luckily, because of that throughout the years. <laughs> What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate so far? All right. Biggest mistake is partnering with the wrong operator or partnering with the wrong partner in general. Uh, I believe that makes or breaks 
any transaction, any business, any anything, if your goals aren't completely aligned. So definitely having the wrong partner in a venture. What question or questions do you ask initially when potentially partnering with someone so you don't repeat that same mistake? Good question, and it's something I just learned. In so many ways, and it's hard to phrase this, you need to figure out what their main motivation is for doing business. And as a real estate investor, are you motivated by money? Are you motivated by how many deals you're doing? Are you motivated about how nice you renovated a house? And to my absolute surprise, there is a lot of real estate investors that are more concerned about growing a company or flipping a lot of houses than how many dollars and cents they're making on a per transaction basis. So we've had falling out with partners where they want to put in extra money here, extra money there, go over budget here, and we're aligned. And you know, my, our, my entire focus is this is what our budget is and this is what our income projections are. This is where they need to be. Mm-hmm. Goes back to your best ever advice on making sure you have the right comp <laughs> and underwriting it. All comes full circle. Yeah, I mean, we see a lot of deals being on the lending side because I get about a thousand leads a month and we only fund 25 loans. So we see a lot of guys. <laughs> we see a lot of deals. And what's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? Hardmoneybankers.com. That's how you can reach me. Or our office line is 800-883-8290. Thanks so much for being on the show, sharing your best ever advice with the best ever listeners, Jason. And talking about, I have a lot of notes, uh, a couple of things. The four C's, I'm sure a lot of people already know this. I didn't, so I'm just going to say it. Collateral, character of borrower, capacity to pay back, their clear exit strategy, and then credit in that order. That's how you were able to lend on a $1.6 million loan for a restaurant, which is out of your wheelhouse traditionally, but you mitigated the risk by taking that approach and looking at it that way in that order. And then also your best ever advice on mastering, as you say, being a black belt of comping or underwriting properties based on how you personally will execute the deal. That's so important. And that translates not only to single family homes, that translates to the multifamily stuff I'm doing when we're underwriting properties. It's how we will personally execute it. That's how we're able to buy things that other people don't and other people buy them that we won't. And it can, in theory, work out for all of us as long as we execute it as we're underwriting. And the cautionary tale on business partnerships, finding out what is their main motivation for doing business. Is it money? Which I would think that would be it. I mean, sure, giving back altruistic stuff. But business-wise, I suspect it's actually being profitable and making money. But as you said, you've come across perhaps it's number of deals or building a business or how nice you renovated the house. So having an alignment of of goals and, and focus, certainly. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe. Certainly appreciate it. If you're looking for funding for that fix and flip of yours, then check out Rod Stanback's company. And if you recognize Rod's name, that's because he was a guest on episode 291. His company's called Flip Funding, and they do real estate loans nationwide. Take advantage of the low rates today and the excellent customer service with Rod and his team. Go to flipfunding.com. That's F-L-I-P-F-U-N-D-I-N-G.com. Or just simply call them at 844 354 
7386. That's 844-354-7386.